on this episode of Blue 58. The feel good win before going into their bye week. And boy, did it feel good, especially for Mason Crosby. Should it have had to be this way? Maybe not. But let's break it down anyway. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58. The one, the only podcast to thepowersweep.com would like to just inform you as your host, John Meerdink, that the East Coast time zone is terrible. I do not like it at all. Why do I not like it? Well, because as we begin this podcast recording session, it is 12.08 a.m. The alarm clock is going off for work in exactly five hours and 52 minutes. Who cares? The Packers had another thrilling win at Lambeau Field thanks to some late-game heroics by Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby. Like I said in the opening, should should it have had to be this way? No, probably not. In an ideal world, the Packers would have put this one away by about halftime. We would have had the podcast show notes typed up by the end of the third quarter, and we'd have basically been recording by the end of the fourth. All things considered, the ending was still pretty fun. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a great time. Let's talk about exactly what happened in this one. Four main trends for me, four main things that we're going to take a look at. First and foremost, the 49ers really just outmuscled the Packers early to catch up with the Packers, then take the lead. The Packers, though, responded by winning their field position battle late. Devontae Adams owned Jimmy Ward, and Ty Montgomery really got things started for the Packers with a an excellent drive starting play late in the game. So let's take a look at each of these things kind of in sequence here. Um, really only the first thing I want to talk about in depth as far as this uh, the early portion of the game is is this this first point here. The Packers getting just beat up by the 49ers. This is something that you haven't seen from Mike Pettin's defense really so far this season. Just a physical perspective, from a physical perspective, just getting dominated as badly as they did by the San Francisco 49ers. Toss plays, stretch plays, power plays, anything going to the outside, the 49ers got the edge and held the edge. And it really shows the weakness of a couple areas for the Packers. First, the literal physical weakness and um, I guess skill level weakness of the Packers outside linebackers slash edge rushers, whatever you want to call them, but also just the lack of quickness and athleticism at end. You've got Mike Daniels, you've got Dean Lowry there, and they're fine athletically for what they are as players, but they're not going to confuse anybody for especially springy athletes. And they, they have trouble at times getting to the edge and holding that edge. And the 49ers really exposed that. A lot of power going to the outside. Matt Breda and Raheem Mostert really took advantage. 148 yards combined on 26 carries. A great effort by those two tonight, especially Breda playing on a severely injured ankle. Um, astonishing really to see just how frequently the 49ers were able to do what they did running to the outside and with the Packers trailing at halftime seeing the 49ers run that way was really troubling because you could see it setting up for a second half where the Packers just couldn't keep up Uh, they they couldn't stop the clock or stop the 49ers from gaining enough yards to keep getting first downs and basically just running out the clock The Packers managed to slow them down. They forced a couple key three and outs in the second half and got the ball back to the Packers' offense. And uh, that that was the difference in the game. The Packers started stopping the run a little bit, but early on, the 49ers physically dominated them on the ground. And that set up everything the 49ers did. Their deep shots on play action, a tight end George Kittle working over the middle, working versus Blake Martinez. Not a great look there for the Packers. 
everything that built off the run, run game in any way really went the Packers' way. Uh, and that was troubling to see. But then later in the game, the Packers started to win a little bit of the field position battle, and that really started on the Packers' ninth drive of the game. So the Packers get the ball on their own 25-yard line after the 49ers score to go up 30-23. to The Packers take over on their own 25, 13-03 left in the fourth quarter. They have a long-ish drive of their own. They get down inside the red zone, not quite first and goal to go. It's like first and 10 or so from the 11 or 12. Packers can't get it in the end zone. Aaron Rodgers has a throwaway, kind of as a misfire um, pass that is not as accurate as it probably should have been. He scrambles and throws it away or tries to, to run for the end zone oddly. And then at fourth and three, they have just a really odd kind of bad play. But that was still a good decision to go for it. Um, trailing though they were, it was a good decision to go for it on fourth and three from the four because you put the 49ers in a really bad situation if they don't pick up a first down. Even if they do pick up a first down or two, you're still going to get relatively decent field position. Fortunately, the Packers are able to force a three and out, and the Packers get a pretty good punt return from Tremont Williams to start their next drive on their own 48. Unfortunately, the Packers go three and out here. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is sacked on third down, forcing the Packers themselves to punt. But again, because of where the Packers were on the field, because of their decision to go for it now two drives ago and put the 49ers deep, they end up getting the ball in relatively good, good shape after the 49ers go three and out again. The Packers punt, or Packers get the ball after a punt on their own 40-yard line, drive down, and Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams on third and six for a touchdown. Game is tied. You know the story from there. Uh, The 49ers have a a great field position thanks to a penalty by the Packers, which we'll talk about here in a second. But then on third and three, Mike Pettin brings the house on a blitz. C.J. Bathard makes his only bad decision of the night and tries to throw deep. Kevin King makes a phenomenal play uh, to make the pick, the first pick of his career and uh, gets the ball back to the Packers, sets them up in, uh, well, not ideal field position, but the Packers drive down and score. We're going to talk about the fourth point here because we're kind of in that neighborhood in where we are in the sequence of the game here. Uh, But we've talked quite a bit about drive starters and the way the Packers start drives and the way that they find success on their drives if they start drives particularly well. Well, on this first drive, or first play of the drive, Ty Montgomery kind of bounces a run outside, stiff arms a defender, picks up quite a few yards, and gets out of bounds. Suddenly, the Packers have a vastly different field position equation to work with than they did initially on their drive. They're not looking at the shadow of their own goalposts anymore. Suddenly, they're in a more, I guess, realistic starting field position to operate a little bit when they're trying to put together some points here, just a shot at some points. And that drive starting play is so important. Even Aaron Rodgers acknowledged it after the game. But uh, he said he was thinking overtime when the Packers came out for that final drive. Ty Montgomery starts with a big run. It changes everything. And the Packers obviously go down and score. How about the very end of that drive, by the way? Uh, Joe Tessitore just about had his head explode uh, when the Packers come out with six seconds left, first in goal or first in nearly goal there. And it looks like they're going to throw. As it turned out, as I calmed down on my own couch, uh, and we were able to see what the Packers did, they were intentionally scheming to run 
a few seconds off the clock so they didn't have to kick off after Mason Crosby kicked the game-winning field goal. Smart play there by McCarthy and company. Very, very, very good stuff there. Finally, we have to talk about an interesting strategic decision by the San Francisco 49ers about how they deployed some of their personnel and how the Packers responded. Devontae Adams versus Jimmy Ward, the 49ers defensive back, uh, really kind of was the story of the game. Richard Sherman is famous for shutting down half of the field. Um, It's kind of a cliche that a good cornerback can shut down half the field for an opposing offense, but Sherman does that pretty much literally because for the duration of his career to this point, he has not traveled with opposing receivers. What I mean by that is he doesn't match up with a particular receiver and cover them on every play throughout the game. He covers one side of the field almost exclusively. Well, that left the Packers and Devontae Adams to match up with Jimmy Ward on the left side of the offense. And Devontae Adams took full advantage. 10 catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns, including a a couple clutch catches on the last couple drives down the stretch. He did find himself facing Sherman a couple times in those last couple drives, especially as Sherman bumped into the slot on one key play. And then uh, Adams also drew that uh, illegal contact penalty on Sherman uh, on a key third down play on the Packers' final drive. But the 49ers' decision to not give Ward or any any kind of help, apparently, or, or give anybody else an opportunity to cover Adams was a questionable one in hindsight, uh, but one the Packers benefited from um, to an extreme degree. So that was that was very, very interesting to see. And uh, one of the big reasons the Packers came out on top in this one. I don't, I feel like we're leaving this, this part of the, the podcast a little bit short. But uh, really, I think these four things about cover, cover it. The 49ers hammered the Packers early, and it wasn't until late in the game that the Packers really got back into it. Aaron Rodgers is going to get credit for those late game heroics, and obviously he should. Um, he was incredible late, but the Packers do need a little bit of credit, despite a, a, some withering pressure from the 49ers defense for staying in the game when their defense was not performing, I think, how anybody thought they would. The Packers were nine and a half point favorites in this game in large part because I think it was just taken as a matter of course that the 49ers offense wouldn't be good enough to put up enough points to keep pace with the Packers' offense. And that's in part because of what the Packers' defense has done so far this year. Well, the Packers' defense finally had a legitimately bad game start to finish. And uh, other than a couple stops in the second half, they they were not great. And um, Rodgers and, and company were able to keep pace despite a subpar day from the Packers' defense. So let's move on into some more uh, scattershot observations here, starting with the broadcast team. We've got on the Monday Night Football crew, Joe Testator, uh, Jason Witten, and Booger McFarland. I've got very little good to say about any of these guys. Joe Testator, first and foremost, sounds like he's in the wrong sport. It sounds like from the drop of the hat, he just decides, I'm going to just announce the heck out of this game. It's going to be the Joe Tessitore show, and it sounds like he thinks he's announcing a UFC fight, but it's a football game, and the announcer isn't supposed to be the star of the football game. You're there to complement the action, not become the action. Um, 
it just got a little eye-rolly at time. For instance, on the first 49ers big touchdown to Marquise Goodwin, the 49ers strike gold. Okay, yep, get your pun out of the way, Joe. That works. But on a more practical level, there were just some basic things got he got wrong. First and foremost, I mean, not as bad as, as some of the basic things or one of the basic things that Winton and McFarland got wrong, but he started talking about quarterback rating. And I know ESPN has a metric they call QBR or quarterback rating, but people commonly understand quarterback rating to refer to passer rating. And passer rating is the correct terminology to use, unless you're specifically referring to ESPN's QBR metric, which is proprietary to them. You should be talking about passer rating. And Tessitore, by confusing those two, puts the audience in a bad situation. However, he was not as bad as Jason Witten and Booger McFarland. Hope you enjoyed seeing the back of Booger, McF- Booger McFarland's head, by the way, um, on his little cherry picker deal that he uses to get up and down the sideline and, I guess, get a better view of the the game or whatever. Uh, most of the shots of him are from right behind his head. I thought the point of being a TV analyst was you look good on TV. I guess not in that particular case, although a guy named Booger, I guess that's a little bit forgivable. But both Witten and McFarland got basic things wrong. For instance, the name of the Packers cornerback who wears number 38. You know it and I know it. It's Tremont Williams, but not if you ask these guys. It's Tremaine Williams. They did it three times. Witten said it, then McFarland said it, then McFarland said it again after a commercial break during which someone from the broadcast team, a producer, somebody should have corrected him on the name. Three times they got Tremont Williams' name wrong. He's only been playing in the NFL for a decade. For his part, Williams looked really bad on the play where they forgot his name. Uh, They had a a touchdown to Goodwin where he just got absolutely shook. And it may be just as well that they forgot his name. So maybe they were doing him a favor by saying Tremaine Williams. Uh, Everybody thought they were just talking about some other guy instead of Tremont Williams. But who really knows? To To put a bow on that entire thing, all of Monday Night Football seems a little bit overproduced. I don't watch a lot of Monday Night Football. Um in part for those reasons, because it just gets a little bit annoying to put up with broadcast teams sometimes in a game that I don't have a lot invested in. Probably should watch a little bit more, but it just is all wildly overproduced. Their packages, just the way they talk about guys, they lay it on super thick. And I get it, this is ESPN's, you know, this is their baby here. This is the one exclusive football thing they have in in terms of the NFL, and they're going to get all the mileage out of it they can and really pull out all the stops. But 40% fewer stops, I guess, would be about good enough for me. Uh, As we continue on, did you happen to see that formation on Ty Montgomery's first TD catch? You had Jimmy Graham split out to the right, three other tight ends split out to the left. Uh, Maybe Adams was in there too, but behind them is uh, Ty Montgomery, who catches a little screen and waltzes into the end zone. The 49ers didn't know what to do on that play, and it seemed to be Part of a trend for the Packers in this game, they rolled out some new wrinkles on offense that uh, I guess probably won't disabuse anybody of the idea that uh, Mike Mike McCarthy is not a uh, creative offensive play caller, but they were borderline too creative at times. For instance, the uh, attempted reverse or Ty Montgomery took a a handoff like from an H-back formation and it looked like he was going to toss it back to Devontae Adams. Not great there. 
But overall, I think this was a pretty creative game from the Packers' offensive staff. For instance, that late big catch and run that Devontae Adams had, uh, he ended up being covered by a linebacker on the play. Obviously, that is not the 49ers' preferred way of covering that play. The Packers' offensive play design put the 49ers in that situation, and they were able to take advantage. That also is scheming people open and something that McCarthy should get credit for. He won't, because when the Packers are good, Aaron Rodgers is the person who did everything. And when the Packers are bad, it's always Mike McCarthy's fault. 49ers defense, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, They were very, very good, I thought, overall. Obviously, it's not going to look that way. Aaron Rodgers had a big statistical day, but they got to Rodgers. They were making life very, very difficult for him. They forced so many throwaways from Rodgers. I bet he had at least 10. A great example of some of the stuff that they were doing came on the Packers' second drive, a third and 10 for the Packers. The 49ers showed a double A-gap blitz, and they brought that, but then they also brought a late safety blitz right behind that. The Packers just didn't have the guys to... uh, to clean that up or to block that well enough, and the 49ers ended up forcing a throwaway. For his part, though, Rodgers was taking more checkdowns, it seemed, tonight, and something that that's something that he really hasn't done a whole lot this year to date so far. Um, so that was, that was encouraging to see, uh, just that he's more willing to not try to get the big play, not try to hold on to the ball as long. Just get the ball out quickly, find an open guy, and get some yards, even if it's not you know, 15 yards, getting five to seven yards puts you in better position for later plays. It also seemed like he was wearing his slimmer knee brace. He's got, he wore initially a dark black, very, it looked like it had a lot more metal in it, knee brace. Uh, And then he switched to a gray one, a little bit slimmer, a little bit less protection as he, as he heals with that knee. That looked like the one that he was wearing tonight, despite saying, Uh, that he might go with the bulkier one. Speaking of knees, Jimmy Graham has been doing some uh, supposed maintenance rest on his knees in practice on Wednesdays the last couple weeks. Uh, And I don't know if his game tonight would count as a breakout game, but he looked a lot fresher physically. And I I wonder if that is, uh, is taking a little bit of an effect there. He's getting a little bit more rest, and that knee injury that he apparently has is getting better. Um, what wasn't so great physically was the right side of the Packers offensive line, man, that was wild tonight. I don't know if you caught that during the broadcast, but, um, it's just musical chairs on the right side of the offensive line. First, uh, Lucas Patrick came in for Byron Bell at light at right guard. Then Byron Bell came back at right guard. Then Brian Bulaga left the game and Byron Bell shifted out to right tackle. Then Lucas Patrick came in at right guard. Then Bulaga comes back later and Bell goes back to right guard. Quite a wild night, and uh, obviously not the Packers' preferred way of doing things, but after Jason Spriggs was carted off in practice this week, that's what you get. So, not great there. Uh, 49ers offense, we talked about them being pretty good throughout the entire, I guess, first three quarters or so, Uh, but they did a really good job of not just facing third downs at all, but avoiding long third downs when they got them. Now, prior to the last drive of the first half, the 49ers only faced one third down of any distance. And then when they they finally faced some some third downs on that final drive, they were pretty short. They didn't end up in third third and long situations like the Packers did. Really shows the evidence of of how a good pass rush can affect an offense, in the Packers' case, or not affect an offense, in the 49ers' case, because the Packers' pass rush was really not 
doing anything to C.J. Beathard. I really want to call him Beathard or Beathard, but his name is C.J. Beathard. So we will uh, carry on with the correct pronunciation. Uh, He really didn't make any mistakes, as we mentioned earlier, until that final throw by Kevin King, or final throw that resulted in the pick by Kevin King. And I'm not even sure so much that was a mistake as a really good play by King. What a catch that was. And I'm glad they didn't go to review on that one because I'm I, I think it would have hold up, held up, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It's, uh, it's closer. It's, it's closer than I would have liked. Um, Ty Montgomery got used in some interesting ways, but the thing that really stood out to me about him tonight was how yet another big kick return of his got called back thanks to a special teams penalty, a hold by Antonio uh, Morrison. Two really costly penalties for the Packers on kick returns tonight. That one on a Packers kick return. But then Tony Brown had a a just silly, silly roughing call on the the kickoff that preceded the 49ers' last drive. And that could have been just tragically costly because it gave the 49ers great field position when they just needed a field goal to win. uh, Fortunately for the Packers, it didn't end up coming back to haunt them and uh, Tony Brown may live to, to fight another day. Uh, just an odd thing I noticed, Dean Lowry seems to line up way off the ball, like a yard off the ball on some snaps. I don't know if that's a design thing or just a thing that Dean Lowry is doing. It's just a little bit odd. Uh, big night, obviously, for rookie receivers. Uh, turns out they get a lot better if you actually play them. Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, obviously showed early what he can do, uh, but he had a couple nice catches. Uh, also a couple odd situations too, though. Um, he's still clearly learning how to be an NFL-level wide receiver. Uh, had a quick out from Rodgers that went by the boards just because he didn't get his head around quick enough. Uh, Should have been an easy catch. And then on the fourth down play, just not a great effort there. I think they probably would have called pass interference had uh, Valdez Scantling made a little bit better play on the ball. Equinemius St. Brown had his first real clutch play. Of his young NFL career, what a catch it was, too. A back shoulder throw, toe tapper, just beautiful, great stuff. And Jamon Moore got his first catch as a, as a Packer today. So good to see lots of good stuff from the rookie receivers. Those late, late drives, though, that's when you really miss Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison because those are the guys who are making plays with experience, uh, just understanding where they need to be as much as actually uh, what the play calls for. So... It's good that it worked out for the Packers in this particular situation, but um, it'll be nice when the Packers have those two guys back as well. Finally, uh, we'll sign off with a 49ers nugget here. Just love the names Solomon Thomas and DeForest Buckner. Just cool names. And Thomas and Buckner together sounds like a law firm. Um, great defensive line there for the San Francisco 49ers. Their draft capital paying off. As you as you heard Tessator, to his credit, mentioned several times throughout the, the broadcast, the 49ers have spent a lot of draft picks on defensive linemen, and clearly it is paying off. So what happens next for the Packers? Well, we go on a bye week. That's the good news. The bad news is what happens next, because we got a five-game stretch here that's about as, as bad as it's going to get for the Packers. This could probably, this probably will define the season going forward. You've got, uh, after the bye, you start with a trip to Los Angeles, then you head back across the country and play New England on the road. Packers come back for one home game against the Dolphins, but then head to Seattle to play the Seahawks on Thursday night football. Short week there, that's not entirely fair, but what are you going to do? And then they uh, jump back into their divisional schedule and head to Minnesota to play the Vikings. So five games here that could decide the season, and the Packers got to go on the road for four of them. Fun, fun stuff, but that's how life works in the NFL. 
Packers currently, though, 3-2-1 and one at the bye. Not ideal. Uh, I still would stand by what I said leading up to this game, that the Packers are largely irrelevant when it comes to the grander scheme of the NFL. I don't think, based on what we saw tonight, that anybody is scared on, of anyone on the Packers other than Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, maybe. Um, I think even that is stuff that you could scheme around if you're a really good team. And after the Packers got rolled a little bit by a more modern offense tonight, you got to be a little bit concerned about what Sean McVay and a much more high-powered offense could do to the Packers' defense. But for right now, another fun win to enjoy. And we head into a bye, a little bit of rest for you, a little bit of rest for me, a little bit of rest for the Packers. Here's what you can expect from us going forward. The plan for me is to tape a podcast here later in this week. Um, It'll probably come out Thursday or Friday, leaning towards Friday, but we'll see how things go. And then we'll take Monday off since there is no Packers game this next weekend, and we'll resume our regularly scheduled programming starting next Wednesday. We'll have a, a... Uh, a regular podcast next Wednesday, then our preview podcast on Friday, then we're back into the normal swing of things. Sound good? Good. I'm glad. Uh, Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for continuing to review and subscribe to uh, Blue 58. It's been a lot of fun to do this so far this season, and I hope you continue to enjoy the things that we do for you here on Blue 58 and at thepowersweep.com. Your support is uh, the most important thing to us, just those listens and clicks and all of the things that show us that you actually care about the content that we are producing. means a lot to me, means a lot to everybody who works on this stuff. So thank you, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Hope you enjoy your bye week. Get some rest. Say hello to your family. You may not have seen them since, what, June before training camp. It'll be fun. Uh, They love you, I promise. Um, For me, we will enjoy a little bit of time off as well. Maybe go outside. Uh, That's a lot easier to go outside when you don't have to record a podcast. But now I'm rambling. We should just cut this off because we're already after 1230 or so. I'm sure you've got an early morning as well. Not that you have to stay up and record a podcast. Anyway, this episode has gone on too long now. I'm going to end it. Thank you very much for listening again. I'm John Meerdink. I've been your host for now the 115th time here on Blue 58. Um, I hope you enjoy the bye week. We will see you uh, later this week back here on Blue 58. Blue 58, hit, hit.